That's What She Said, Episode 5.5, The Rerun. Wow, that is really hard. Do you really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go I just came from it all Welcome to the fifth and a half episode of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at, mm, well, nothing in particular. It's our first rerun week, folks, so no new episode to analyze. We do have a lot of odds and ends to share with you today, though. That's what Stanley says? Who's getting proposed to? Michael Scott? Bollywood star, and just what the heck is Diwali anyway? Lots to discuss, lots to talk about, let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And joining me again at the water cooler this week is our junior sales associate, Ian Castleberry. Ian, how you doing? Well, I'm a little bummed out, Matt. Uh, Jenna Fisher's St. Louis Cardinals stomped my Detroit Tigers, but I'm, uh, I'm sucking it up. I'm here. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird week, Ian. We don't really have anything. I uh, don't have an episode to talk about, so I'm feeling kind of uh, discombobulated here a little bit. I'm a little thrown off myself, although um, I would have... Had a new episode been on, I wouldn't have watched it on Thursday night anyway because of the baseball game. But Ah, baseball, schmaceball, who cares? Right, moving on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so uh, big news for you this week. I've, I've heard that you actually went out and purchased something on uh, Friday. Yes, I actually uh, bought the uh, Season 2 DVD set of The Office. Now I can finally, uh, I'll finally be able to get some of these references. All right, only after making. six weeks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it only took about, yeah, six weeks, six episodes, but, you know, I, you know, my meager uh, part-time sports writer, writer salary, you know, that's all I can What, are you moonlighting to, on top of your sales associate job here, Ian? Yeah, my moonlighting uh, sales, yeah, well, I'm a junior sales associate, so it, it took me a little while. That is true, I guess. You got to save your pennies. So wh- you said which episodes have you ch- have you seen so far? Then on the disc? Yeah, let's see what I see. The Dundies, sexual harassment, Halloween, the fire and the fight. All right, and out of those so that you watched so far, which one do you think is the best one that you've seen? Well, I have to go with uh, the Dundies. Uh, that was really good, and probably sexual harassment. Now you said you didn't like the Halloween episode, though. I didn't like the Halloween episode. I thought that was kind of a bummer. Because <laughs> uh, uh, having to fire somebody at the end, especially somebody I'd never even seen before. Yeah, that was kind of weird. And we were debating on whether or not we were going to talk about the Halloween episode uh, today, just simply because it's tying in with Halloween and, and whatever. But, um, yeah, that was kind of a weird thing. We had that guy, Devin, I believe his name was, who I don't, he was, you know, he must have been in the background for a little while, but definitely not a character that had any speaking lines that I ever really noticed before that episode. But No, he was kind of like Franklin on the old Charlie Brown cartoons, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, just the classic classic uh, case of Creed stepping forward and, and basically begging, begging for his job. <laughs> <laughs> and getting Michael to change his mind over who he was going to fire. They bullied him into changing his mind, it seemed like. I'll never tell. No, I'll never tell anyone. I'll say you're a great boss. I don't know how that <laughs> stuff. He was, yeah, a classic, classic Creed. I, I guess not quite as fruity as he turned out to be in later life, but that was the start of it anyway. But I'm glad I finally got the set, and, uh, you know, it's brought me brought me some joy this weekend, some rays of sunshine in the darkness. <laughs> After that cloudy performance. Yeah, they got swept pretty good, didn't they? Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, we have some news to talk about? Or yeah, let's move on. Um, actually, you know what? Last week we were talking about the initiation, uh, and we went through that pretty well. Well, good old NBC, after we recorded the show, they actually put up uh, four or five new deleted scenes 
for the initiation that we surely because we complained about how few there were before. Well, I you know I'm guessing that it's probably just because of the fact that they were putting that stuff all together at the last minute, and they didn't have enough you know production time or prep time, or they might not have gotten them from the from the guys uh, on the show. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever the case may be, but. Uh, be that as it may, it's sort of annoying because now we have well, to kind of go. Stop putting episodes of Kidnapped online and put the <laughs> deleted scenes. Hey man, NBC's having some problems. They're begging for. Begging Actually, for I like there. Kidnapped. Well, I hope you enjoy it. I hope it stays on the air. <laughs> So yeah, we got some new deleted scenes from the initiation, and uh, they're actually some pretty good ones. And unfortunately, they didn't air them, like I said, in time for last week. Just to remind you, the last week, the deleted scenes we did see were, um, they had Pam talking about how she had a bet with Jim that they're going to find Ryan's dead body in a wooded area or something at some point. And we also had the scene where Dwight was talking about how he watched this movie called Training Day about an African-American and Ethan Hawke teaming up together, and that he was the African-American, so... We have some other good scenes, especially uh, coming from our resident African-American, actually, in the office. The, Speaking of African-Americans. I know, the line you thought you'd never hear, uttered by our own Stanley. How did I end up here, alone in a beef field? You know, every time I think I hit rock bottom at my job, the floor opens up, like at a carnival ride. Sales is about people, Ryan. About understanding them and learning how to get along with them. Case study. Me. To understand me, you have to know that I work in the city, but I live here on this small, beautiful farm. It's a family farm. Many shrewds were born here, and many of us end up here. My grandfather was a good man who did some very bad things. What the... Damn it! Oh, those kids. You! You! Get out of here! This is not a cheap motel! This is a farm and cemetery! Freaks. You're lucky I don't have my crossbow! Let me show you the compost pile. Look, I've never seen a Clint Eastwood movie. See, that's weird. But if you said, go ahead, make my day, I would know that's from Dirty Harry. How can you not know that's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yeah, mama. Ask me how bad I wanted to bone Jennifer Grey. I saw the movie. I just don't know every line from the film. Seriously? You guys, ask me. You didn't know that Bueller was from Ferris Bueller. Let's just say me and Jennifer Grey probably would have broken a few laws. Take a good look at this boy. I always do. Because you are never going to see him again. If you lay a finger Today on... is Ryan's first sales call, and I am bringing this boy home a full-grown man. Oh, would you look at that? Oh. <laughs> Damn it, Dwight. Come on. What makes me so good? I do not know. I mean, they're just... dough twisted up with some candy. They taste so good in my mouth. That's what she said. <laughs> All right. So there you go. That ended off with the capper, the classic Stanley delivering our old famous eponymous line here, right? Uh, I think that was a beautiful scene. <laughs> it was. And it was, maybe they cut it because it was just a little too friendly. Uh, a little too buddy-buddy between those guys. I don't know. That was a great scene. I sort of wish that would have made it in there. Uh, if not uh, in the regular episode, maybe at least at the after the after the final commercial kind of capper. But I guess we got to see it in the deleted scenes, and, and that's what counts. Now, we're building up, trying to get it so that we have every cast member saying that's what she said. So hopefully one day we'll we'll meet that. Are you actually goal. keeping track? <laughs> um, well, I put up a post on the blog page asking for people to give me references to all of the occurrences of that's what she said on all the episodes because I'm trying to put together a, a, maybe some kind of a big sound clip or something with all these different episodes. But uh, that's what we're gonna do the next rerun week. We're just gonna play thirty minutes of uh, <laughs> people saying that's what she said over and over again. Yeah, yeah. To a techno beat. Ooh. So. That scene, again, another great scene, and we actually got to see their, them eating their pretzels there. So remember last week we were talking about wondering what the pretzel looked like? 
Uh, still didn't get a close-up of what monstrosity Michael must have been eating. That's true, but it didn't look that crazy, uh, the one that he was chomping on anyway. No. But you know, Stanley, is he a sweet or a savory guy? Hey, I, I, I want to know. We're still debating over that topic, I guess. No, they got to leave stuff open for future seasons. <laughs> now, we got a couple other things in there as well. Again, the, the, the one that started it off, the Ryan clip with him kind of talking to the camera. A little bit, again, over the top and more than we needed. And that's fine with me that they cut that out. I actually had, I want to bring something up. One of our uh, temps in the office here, Martin Sang, he, uh, he wrote in an, uh, an email to me earlier this week and said, uh, in reference to the episode from last week, he said, it's odd. Mindy's episode, Mindy Kaling, he's referring to the Diwali episode, is a huge Kelly episode. B.J. Novak's episode is a huge Ryan episode. It's like the writers gave up after getting the Emmy and are now just having their friends and family and themselves in the episode. I've noticed a lot more Kelly this year, especially in grief counseling. Let's hope this works out. Do you think there's any validity to that point? I mean, especially with that one from last week, the initiation, the fact that that was B.J. Novak is credited as the head writer on that episode, and it was definitely had a very heavy Ryan focus. Well, I guess it looks that way. I don't, you know, still making my way through uh, past seasons, uh, you know, that there have been other episodes, you know, that BJ wrote or that Kelly wrote where they weren't, their characters weren't featured that much. Right, and that's true. And I think that's kind of what he's talking about is that um, uh, this show is kind of unusual that they have at least three writers who are actually in the show and writing for the show. BJ, uh, Mindy, and of course, our friend Paul, who's Toby. Now, Toby as a writer so far, I mean, he hasn't, we haven't, I mean, Paul as a writer, we haven't gotten any big, like, super Toby Star episodes. Um, yeah, I don't see that happening. Maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe he just doesn't care about that. Do you think that these other characters, I mean, do you think that BJ Novak and, and Mindy Kaling are doing this because they want to give themselves a big acting part in the show? Well, if if I were in their position, I'd sure as hell be doing that. <laughs> if I was a writer on the show, hey... Feature my character. Well, I don't bl- you know, again, there's a couple different things here. And I, I, I think that, that Martin does bring up an interesting point, and I think it might just be a coincidence that these two episodes just so happen to be so character-focused. Um, you know, as we all know, I mean, most of us, I think, again, are pretty media-savvy at this point, and, and we know that it's not just one guy in a room writing a script, uh, unlike, you know, a lot of the British sitcoms that we get. Uh, most American sitcoms are written committee style they banter around you know you know everybody gives a line here or there and then the ultimate you know the the person who has their name on the script is usually the one who who rewrites it or came up with the idea originally or something like that so are, are do they have some kind of hidden agenda that they're doing this maybe to a certain degree but i also think that part of it is that as a writer you have to look at the unexplored territory right you can't have another jim and pam episode just simply because of the main arc of the season you don't want to just keep doing the same old thing. Don't want to have, keep having the same uh, every time something about Michael, every time it's the same couple characters. So Ryan, since he started this season, has been much more of a main character, and he's someone that's new that we haven't really explored too much. And again, same thing with uh, with Kelly and you know Mindy writing the episode, definitely focusing on the Diwali holiday. I mean, that's definitely something that we've never seen on TV before. It's new, it's fresh. It's a different situation. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the rest of the season. If if that continues to be the case, if every episode is, you know, every episode that BJ Novak writes is some huge thing where Ryan saves the day or comes out, I don't know. But as it stands, I'm not going to really worry about it so much. I still enjoyed it. I guess we can think of, do we want these people that used to be minor characters coming to the forefront? I don't know. It depends. Personally, for me, I think that a little bit of Kelly goes a long way. I agree, but you know, I'm I'm interested certainly to see see this upcoming episode. And yeah, I think it'll be nice just for a change of pace once in a while to see some of the secondary characters get featured. Yeah, I, and like I said, with a series that's continuing on that is really limitless at this point. I mean, we don't know how many episodes the show's going to run. Um, they probably only have Steve Carell available for like five minutes each week now, so they have <laughs> to fill up with. You yeah. know, all the other characters. Uh, speaking of which, they since he's, like you said, even right now, in fact, he's currently filming this week, and we'll talk more about that in the news segment, but Angela Kinsey on her blog mentioned the fact that they they had to film two episodes in one week before Steve left. 
So they only filmed all the Michael scenes for the two episodes in the in the one week. So it was kind of weird. So they're already kind of shuffling their schedule around to uh, to accommodate him. And definitely, if he, you know, if if Evan Almighty and, and these other movies continue to be real big money makers, you know, how long is he going to stay around and want to be on a weekly TV show? So I don't know. Again, that's not a huge deal for me. I don't mind the fact that they cut out that scene because uh, we got a lot of points of view from Ryan in that episode. The other thing that they they showed on the farm, and uh, if again, I don't know if you if you got this episode or not yet, but um, that's one of the things that we got in season two, where where Dwight and Michael go to take a look at Michael's condo. Yes, I did see okay, that. Okay, so that's the Office Olympics episode. Um, if you remember from that episode, he talks about, I, I think that's where he mentions it, because he says, that's great, it was a great opportunity, but I live in a nine-room farmhouse. And I think that's the episode where he makes, he drops that line where sometimes teenagers use it to have sex. Right. Or something like that. And so then we got, in the deleted scene, we got a clip of Dwight busting a couple of teenagers, and you actually saw him sort of like half-naked running across the, the farm field with him yelling at him. It's like, you're lucky you aren't in my crossbow. Uh, that's a pretty good Dwight line, though. I gotta say. What about that? What about that Stanford clip in there, though? Talk about awkward, man. Um, Jim's kind of turning into this guy who's really strange that he doesn't know how to play video games and he doesn't know Ferris Bueller's Day Off. As I said on the post in the blog, I think maybe as a child he actually went outside or something. I don't know. Maybe. Although that movie's older than we think. Really? I don't know. I remember being like 13 or 14, I think, when that movie came out. So it must have been in. How old is he supposed to be on the show? Like mid. Um, I don't know. I mean, in real life, I think we just saw that he turned. Was it twenty seven? Okay. But yeah, I mean, that, that's like a movie, isn't that a movie that kids just know that, that that's part of? Well, yeah, I think so. It's enough in the pop culture that the the real key point of that quote was the bizarre ass line from Andy. Well, ask me how bad I wanted to bone Jennifer Grey, <laughs> and then he doesn't just let it go. He's like, no, really, ask me. But you know, I mean. <laughs> Who says something like that? And then he actually wants them, begs them to ask him. I mean, what is he going to say? A lot. I really wanted a boner a lot. I don't know. Probably something that you would end up editing out of this. If... I wonder. I mean, if you're going to take bets right now, do you think that we're going to have Andy in the in the show for the rest of the season, or is he going to be gone um, once we move out of the Stanford office? I think he's a goner. Wouldn't it be funny if he replaced uh, Michael, though, since didn't he kind of replace Steve Carell on The Daily Show? <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of funny, except the way that they have his character set up, there's like no way that would be possible. Right, no way that would happen. But I think you're right, he would be a bad fit anyway. Scranton already has him, basically. Right. I mean, he's, Mar- he's Dwight Mark, too. I mean, he's really not a different enough character, I don't think. I don't know, I guess we'll just have to see, and we'll get into that a little bit more later. Maybe Andy is really the guy who gets Dwight in that death hold that he seems to envision for himself. Um, so let's talk about the new upcoming episode, because we really don't have that much else to say about last week's. But as we said, on uh, November 2nd, we're going to have the new episode that's called Diwali. And uh, I found that out. that Actually, you pronounce it like a, a V instead of a W. Yeah, I have something to mention with that later. Okay, well, um, let's talk about this. So what is Diwali? Anyway, well, just so happened this morning before we were putting the show together, I was flipping channels and came upon PBS, and uh, it was a show called Religion and Ethics News Weekly, and they actually had a little little segment on uh, what Diwali was. This past week has been the Hindu festival of Diwali, celebrating the end of the year and many events in the lives of some of Hinduism's most important deities. Hindus believe in one ultimate God, but also worship and ask for help, often at home, from the many thousands of more familiar gods and goddesses. Last weekend, we visited Monu Harnal in Burke, Virginia, as she helped prepare her parents' home to welcome the goddess Lakshmi. Diwali, Dipavali are one of the same thing. It means the festival of lights. During Diwali, we want to illuminate our house so that the goddess Lakshmi can find her way. The whole family gets together. We celebrate um, in our homes. Everyone gets to wear new clothes. It's similar to Christmas plus New Year's all at once. In our house, we have the puja room, the prayer room. My dad, he chants and we follow him. First, we pray to Lord Ganesha, who is the remover of all obstacles. 
And then we pray to the goddess Lakshmi to bring in both material and spiritual prosperity. In Hinduism, the nice thing is all the gods like are your board members <laughs> in your life. They act like board members and you can call on one of them whenever you need something for a certain uh, problem or issue or whatever it is. You can, you can call on them to say, okay, goddess Lakshmi, I need a little cash here. So help me, give me some energy to remove this problem from me. And we don't see prosperity as anything negative. It's actually very fortunate that you're prosperous. You've done good deeds and you're being rewarded um, with, with prosperity. Because the coins are a symbol of Lakshmi, the goddess of abundance. We wash her in milk and decorate her with vermilion, the red, what's on my forehead right now. Adityo vaso rudra vishwa deva maradgunatil kentu prachantu dharamkamarchide. It's called a tikka. It's a confirmation of us performing puja, the actual prayers that we do to evoke the goddess. I'm striving to eliminate ignorance, become more spiritually awakened. That's my goal as a Hindu. All right, I feel like playing one of those little NBC promo clips, you know, they, they parody on the Office DVD, the the more you know, the, the more you know, little music now after this. <laughs> so, I, you know, I know most people don't like to learn anything on their on their free time, but I figured it was interesting to kind of bring that up just simply because this is something that's so odd to most average Americans that we've never heard of this before, that we don't really know what this festival is. Um, it sounds kind of interesting. It actually sounds you know, very similar to like Hanukkah as well. It's lighting the darkness kind of thing. So it's. Um, uh, I was watching football while you were watching PBS <laughs> this morning. Well, like I said, I am a bigger nerd than you, I guess. This, um, you know, I, I totally embarrassed myself uh, this weekend. Uh, on Friday, I, was, I found myself in an Indian grocery Coincidentally or not coincidentally, I don't know. They have like a takeout counter in the back. So anyway, there was this thing written on the uh, on a dry erase board, you know, Happy Diwali, have a prosperous New Year, and I pronounced it Diwali. I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, uh, so Diwali's coming up, huh? You know, could you tell me something about that? He's just this grumpy old dude behind the counter. <laughs> Probably just you know, stupid American mispronouncing it. Or yeah, that's already you know, say. So. So finally, you know, I just uh, took my mango lassi and left. He really didn't say much. He just stared at you grimacing. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty bad. Pretended he didn't know English, you know. I, I'm on to him. So in any event, I mean, basically we have that... That mango lassi was stale, too. Oh, that's horrible. Uh, I mean, what we've gotten here, again, in uh, if you check the blog page, if you saw the, uh, the notes that I mentioned that... Uh, the California-based newspaper called India West, which is a, a newspaper targeted at uh, Indian Americans, had an interview with Mindy Kaling this week to talk about the episode. And uh, one little tidbit of, of information is that her, her real name is actually Cho Kalingam. She mentioned the fact that, uh, that Greg Daniels, the producer of the show, was thrilled at the idea of focusing an episode on the holiday, just simply because it was a completely fresh concept that had never been done on American TV before. Uh, and, and she also mentioned that her real-life parents, Mindy Kaling's real-life parents, are going to be playing Mr. and Mrs. Kapoor on the episode this week. So yeah, she writes her parents into the show, too? Yeah, that's another thing. Like I said, Martin brought that up. And now they're getting their friends and family involved in the show. Um yeah, and that's kind of strange, I guess, that they she had them come in there. Uh, you know, I guess it's easy to cast if you don't have to go through the whole casting process. Uh, one of the things she, she mentioned also about the fact that her parents were doing a little bit of acting as far as that uh, uh, Kelly's parents and the show, she said, are much more strict than her real-life parents and that uh, her parents on the show were products of arranged marriages while her real-life parents weren't. And so that's going to lead us into our next little clip, because um, one of the big things, if, if you watch My Name is Earl this last week, right before the office rerun started, they played a promo clip for the show. Thursday, Earl's all new. 
with special guest star Roseanne Barr. Hey, Shrubhead. Followed by The Office and a celebration of life. But when you die, she has to throw herself on a fire. And a marriage proposal for one of these people make next Thursday. One crazy night. All new comedy next Thursday. All right, so they're pimping this thing about a marriage proposal, and they show it's one of these people. Now, during that clip, they showed, in fact, Roy, Pam, Jim, Karen, Angela, Ryan, Carol, and uh, maybe Kelly in the background of a shot. I'm not sure. Um, I was trying to think of how this was going to play out as far as you know a marriage proposal, because usually when NBC or when any TV station does stuff like this, they're usually just yanking your chain. I mean, I'm not really expecting anything to happen really major tell you the truth and obviously Pam and Roy uh, aren't going to get married or you know may I, well I guess maybe you could propose to her yeah Roy could that propose would, to her that would seem a little sad I don't know because obviously I don't think she's going to go back with them so that would be pretty pretty much of a downer Jim and Karen obviously not Angela I suppose that could be possible but I, I, I don't know I don't see that happening really the way their relationship has been going Ryan definitely not going to propose definitely not propose to Kelly uh, as we've seen, you know, he doesn't mind a little junk in the trunk, but he's definitely not uh, looking for a long-term commitment so far. Uh, Carol, I don't know, maybe I could see Michael being stupid enough to do something like that, but um, so I don't know. Well, who do you, if you had to take your bets, who do you think? What do you think's going to happen with this? No, I think you're uh, you have a theory that sounds just as good as anything else I could come up with. So. Oh well, you know. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to just take all the the limelight there. But no, because I have I have no theory. That, I mean, I I just roll my eyes when I saw that. It reminds me of those old Law and Order ads. Make sure you tune in for the last five minutes, and it <laughs> turns out to be like yeah, um, nothing, nothing that really matters. <laughs> well, my theory is I was trying to think about who could be the one that was getting married. You know, a proposal, and you know, obviously not our major characters. Um, there is a mention supposedly that Jim at some point during that episode gets drunk and drunk dials someone. So that might be a possibility. I don't know. That could be a possibility where he could drunk dial somebody, I guess, and, and, and propose to them in a really half-assed drunken way. But my main theory, what I was thinking about is because they mentioned the fact on the show that Kelly's parents were products of an arranged marriage. I was thinking that uh, sometime during the episode that they're going to have some, some kind of plot thing where where they try to get Kelly uh, arranged marriage to, you know, arranged in a marriage to somebody, some uh, nice young Indian boy. And, and of course, that wouldn't work out in any way. So that's kind of my theory on what's going to happen, that she'll just tell him off and say, no, no way, forget it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if that's what happens, will someone send this man some hers chips? <laughs> Man, speaking of Hearst Chips, and, and I don't really want to get into this because I'm not really willing to admit that a TV show changes my lifestyle habits, but um, ever since that episode, I've just been so curious about those chips because I've never, ever tasted that flavor of potato chips before in my entire life. Now, salt and vinegar? Right. Now, I've been, to, I've been to England, and I've been to Ireland, and I, you know, I'm a tartar sauce man myself, so I don't put the vinegar. I didn't put the vinegar on my fish and chips. Um, you know, and I prefer, I prefer ketchup, so I didn't put that on my French fries. And so I, it's just been a new experience. And so I, having it mentioned on the show, it made me curious. And I went out and I did buy a bag of the um, Lay's kettle-cooked salt and vinegar chips uh, about a week or two ago and enjoyed those. The last time I was at the grocery store, though, they didn't have any. And so I was resorting, I actually had to resort to the... A bunch salt. of other people had the same urge you did, apparently. I guess, well, I don't know. I, I resorted to the salt and vinegar flavored Pringles, which uh, they weren't Yeesh. quite that great. I mean, I love Pringles, but... <laughs> yeah, those pressed potato sweepings, they're just not quite that uh, quite that great. Not quite as good as the uh, Kettle Coke chips, anyway. So, uh, But last night, yeah, I finally bought myself another bag of, of uh, the Lay's Kettle Coke chips and... Uh, Ate yeah, them all yeah. pretty much in one sitting last night. So, you didn't eat them with tartar sauce. Or anything like that? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's a weird flavor. And I got to say, it uh, it's definitely one that you kind of you don't really think you like at first, but sort of grows on you. Well, the biggest reason I started eating salt and vinegar chips is because it was guaranteed to be the flavor which no one would ask if they could have any chips. <laughs> 
So I just began to like him, but I mean, nobody would. <laughs> this is like something out of Seinfeld or something. I, I chose my flavor of chips out of spite. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and yeah. no one else would ask me for any. <laughs> uh, we're a couple of Marys, aren't we? In any event, so we we eclipsed in that that little scene that you couldn't see. It was almost all visual. We had we had scenes of Michael doing like a little Bollywood dance um, on the you know on the stage with the dancers in the background, and and uh, he was talking to Kelly's parents. The thing about oh you have to kill yourself after your husband dies and throw yourself on the fire and that kind of thing. And uh, you know basically the reason why uh, Mindy Kaling wrote this episode is that she said that the comedy potential of Michael Scott in a Hindu festival surrounded by Indian Americans and committing faux pas seemed too delicious to pass up. Anyone could see that. She said, it reminded me of Peter Sellers and in the movie, the party, which is one of her dad's favorite films. So, um, yeah, I guess that's what we're going to get is a whole lot of Michael Scott acting kind of like a dumbass in this episode, <laughs> uh, which isn't too much different than any of the other ones, but obviously, I mean, he can't be, too offensive do you think i mean what ask, uh, asking about the whole like throwing yourself on the funeral pyre that maybe it's kind of not correct to say but no, well, that's you've heard the news right that's wasn't there a movie, correct wasn't there a movie that just came out about that or something less yeah or so? um, water yeah there you go so maybe he's up um, on his independent films after getting schooled <laughs> <laughs> in the grief counseling episode i don't know he might have gone to to see that but yeah i mean that's not like totally ridiculous um because my, one of my questions with this again is which which Michael is going to show up because um, Michael and for example David Brent his British equivalent at this point after two and a half seasons they have really diverged from the first season of being kind of like this really clueless insensitive kind of jerk to uh, someone who's a little nicer a little more you know aware of things that are going on because. I just wanted to play this one clip from the first episode. This is back when Kelly was just like this really buttoned up minor character and who didn't really have anything to say. Um, this is from the uh, Diversity Day episode where uh, Michael tries to have the office pretend to be different minorities. Kelly, how are you? I have had the longest meeting. Oh, welcome to my convenience store. Would you like some googie googie? Oh, I have some very delicious googie googie. Only 99 cents plus tax. Try my googie googie. Try my googie googie. Try my googie googie. Try my... All right. All right. Yes. That was great. She gets it. Now she knows what it's like to be a minority. <laughs> so there you go. Try my googie googie. I wish the guy at the grocery store I went to asked me if I wanted some googie googie. <laughs> It's a whole different uh, kind of Michael, I think, that we've, he's really actually grown a lot since that first season, that they made him more, more sympathetic and, and a little more human. So I'm not, I'm kind of wondering what exactly, you know, he's going to get himself involved in. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just stuff that. Oh, and this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Well, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why I didn't uh, want to get it. You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah! Ah, uh, that was a joke. Well, probably the biggest news this week is the whole NBC programming debacle that we've been talking about the last few weeks. NBC Universal Television Group CEO Jeff Zucker uh, came out with an announcement that NBC was going to be cutting costs, cutting jobs, uh, and they were looking to make the 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock p.m., central time slot a dumping ground for cheap reality shows and game shows basically because their uh, their high quality scripted dramas like friday night lights have been getting destroyed in the ratings so that was his answer now uh people were worried a little bit about um of course my name is earl and the office which are in that eight o'clock seven o'clock time slot on thursdays but worry no more we got news this week from uh came out of actually Brian Baumgartner's blog. It was the first place I actually saw it. But uh, NBC made a press release saying that Thursday is now again going to be the two-hour must-see TV comedy block um, starting on November 30th, I believe. We are going to have a two-hour block starting at 8 o'clock with Earl, The Office, then The Return of Scrubs, 
and uh, 30 Rock. So they're giving 30 Rock another chance. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the other show, 20 Good Years, that was paired with 30 Rock, has pretty much gotten the axe, so that show's gone. But I know you're happy to see Scrubs back. Oh, man, I love Scrubs. I just, for some reason, I've never gotten into that show. I've, I, I don't think I've ever watched a single episode. I mean, last week I was saying how I, how I didn't think... Uh, over-the-top cartoonish stuff fit The Office, but, I mean, totally fits Scrubs. That's what Scrubs is. <laughs> so that's going to be starting November 30th, like I said, going forward. It's going to be that two-hour comedy block and then capped off with our old standby ER. But starting on November 16th, 30 Rock will be the first to join the Thursday night lineup because uh, on November 16th, uh, this is another part of it, another bit of news that we got from Brian Baumgartner's blog and, and from the press release, is that uh, the November 16th episodes of Earl, The Office, and 30 Rock are going to be supersized 40-minute episodes, just like we got last season with Earl and The Office for their season finale. So what do you think about that? That sounds super. Again, my theory about that is this is perfectly timed with what we know about the show because... Uh, we we did know, we talked about this last week, that uh, the November 9th episode is, is called Branch Closing. Mm-hmm. And um, we've gotten information on that, that, um, you know, it claims in the, in the TV guide that, of course, the Scranton branch is going to be closing. But we all know that that's not possible. So the only other possibility is that the Stanford branch or somehow one of those branches closes. Which then will lead into the November 16th 40-minute episode where I am guessing right now that we are going to have... Um, a little reunion of some of our lost castaways as they come back to the Scranton office. So we'll just have to see what happens. Okay, this last week also uh, Access Hollywood came to the set of the office and they posted their results on uh, their website, accesshollywood.com. And uh, Ian, he's actually you watch this clip, there's actually a, lot of, a good deal of spoilers in there. There is. I'm glad uh, YouTube uh, managed to cut me off uh, quite a few times. <laughs> well, there's actually, I mean, the, the segment runs about six, seven minutes, and there are spoilers, definite spoilers, for at least two future episodes. And um, if you freeze frame the footage, you can see a certain someone in the uh, warehouse with the rest of the Scranton cast and crew. So uh, get your fingers ready. But I thought it was sort of interesting that they talked to uh, to both Steve and... Uh, and Rain about the new cast members. So let's take a listen to what Steve had to say. Yeah, how are they fitting in with this ensemble cast? Because you guys are kind of... Not very well. No. They're, they're outsiders, and, and I'm talking about them personally, just as people. I'm not talking about the characters. I'm talking about the actors. Um, really have not been fitting in, and we've been trying to ostracize them um, because we're such a tight group, and you heard about the stuff on Grey's Anatomy, you know, the fight, the choking, like, you're late! That's the way it is here. I, if I've choked one person, I have choked 15 this week. I don't stand for it. And even if people are being nice, I will choke them. Because there is, there's no reason that as the star of a show, I shouldn't have the ability to choke people. I think that's within, that is within my rights. You know what, honestly, the, the new people are fitting in great, and, and they're really funny. And it's nice to have sort of new blood come in, and it changes the dynamic between people, because you never know. There's a lot of improv, and we throw things in, so you never know what the new people are going to say, and, and uh, it can be a bit off kilter, which is great. I think it's great for everybody. Man, that was just the classic, like, Michael kind of improv there. If I've choked I love one, that he I, took a shot at Grey's Anatomy. I don't know. If I've choked one, I've choked 15 people this week. <laughs> I don't know. And that's with, well within my rights as a star. Basically, they went and asked Rain the same question. Uh, the, the person doing the interview, that's her main concern seemed to be asking about the, the new people and how they're fitting in. And, and uh, while Steve was funny and then kind of became serious, well, Rain's just Rain. So you guys have new people in the office. Yes, I hate them. Do you? They're mm-hmm. not fitting in then, I think. Not at all. Um, this guy, Ed Helms, from The Daily Show. It's not daily. It's five days a week. Um, he thinks he can go from, you know, fake journalism on cable late night to a lead role um, on a major uh, network hit show. Not so fast, Ed Helms. Not so fast. Is he trying to overshadow you in any way? Do you feel that? 
Yes, he is. And uh, if he overshadows me anymore, I am going to have to punch him in the eye. So, needless to say, there might be some hazing going on with the new people. Yeah, we, you know, we call him rookie. We make him carry our luggage, and like run around in his underpants, you know, with like a cape. Uh, we made him get an office tattoo. Uh, some of these things that we do for the new cast members. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Ed Helms, who does he think he is, man? This past week, Angela Kinsey was on the Megan Mullally show on Friday on the 27th, and I got to say that that show is pretty bad. Megan Mullally, not the greatest talk show host. She has kind of an annoying voice. But uh, be that as it may, uh, you can check either the blog page uh, at that'swhatshesaid.libson.com for the link to the YouTube video, or go to YouTube directly and just do a search. Um, Pretty fluffy piece. Uh, I mean, we got to see Angela being her normal self, which is a lot different than her TV character. It's kind of jarring, yeah. Yeah, it's really strange, and and she has like this kind of southern accent as well that comes into her voice, which is a little strange based on what we've seen of her in the show. Uh, Basically, the only thing that she mentioned worth talking about in those six minutes is the fact that uh, uh, she bought her little stripey Emmy dress, she said, at the mall for $160-some dollars. She also said, I thought this was kind of interesting, she said that from the age of 2 to age 14 that she lived in Indonesia. And uh, she also mentioned that they just, she and her husband just bought a house, which she believes was owned previously by a porn star. Awesome. (laughs) The Office this last week also was on Morning Edition on the 25th. If you happen to catch it, they had a little story where they were talking about uh, two different colleges in the United States that were using the office as training tools, uh, of course, for what not to do in their business program. Uh, As we mentioned already last week as well, Dan in Real Life from Disney is still filming in Rhode Island, uh, and they're filming through December 22nd. And this comes from the Providence Journal at projo.com. Uh, the, the cast and crew finished filming in Providence last week, and the rest of the film is to be shot in Jamestown, Newport, and Watch Hill. Uh, why film this film in Rhode Island? Well, they needed a seaside location, they liked the nice foliage, and apparently Rhode Island gives huge tax breaks to films that uh, do their production work there. Uh, once again, the story revolves around an annual Thanksgiving family reunion in Rhode Island that attracts widower Dan, played by Steve Carell, and his three daughters from New Jersey. Um, shortly before arriving at the house, Dan meets a lovely woman in a bookstore, played by Juliette Binoche, who then turns out to be his brother's girlfriend, and then we have some little conflicts there. Uh, as we mentioned, also in the film was comedian Dane Cook, and, uh, uh, also, this last week, we had an interview on Chud.com with Jenna's husband, James Gunn, for his DVD release of the movie Slither last week. I did I, not pick that up this weekend. I'm dying to see that movie. Are you really? I'm just not yeah. a horror... I don't watch any horror films, so I don't care how funny it might be. I just... I don't know. I remember those commercials with that girl that was, like, blown up like the Willy Wonka blueberry in that yeah. barn, and I'm like, nah, I, I don't need to see that. That's a little freaky. But Malcolm Reynolds is in it, man. Here's a nerd reference for you. Man. But anyway, he interviewed uh, the guy from Chud.com, interviewed him, and asked him uh, what he was doing for Halloween. And the reason why I bring this up is because he says that um, after he goes to a party with some of his Slither cast and crew, that uh, they're giving out candy in one of their neighborhoods with the office crew. So... If you just so happen to live in the area around where James Gunn and uh, Jenna Fisher live and go trick-or-treating, you might get lucky. Also, uh, other DVD releases, Steve Carell is ambiguously gay. Did you know that? Um, I did know that. (laughs) Uh, Saturday Night Live, the best of Saturday TV funhouse featuring classic installments of the ambiguously gay duo, the ex-presidents, and more, came out on DVD this last Tuesday as well. Um, And on the DVD... Robert Smigel provides commentaries on some of the episodes, along with Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert, who voiced the ambiguously gay duo. So Hopefully they talk about the size of, um, I can't remember their names now, but they're uh, cod pieces, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, Ace and Gary, I believe. Ace and Gary, name. right. <laughs> All right, here's another news story for you. Cousin Moe's is totally awesome. And this comes from Cinematical.com, and I just wanted to throw this in here because Mike Schur... 
a writer for The Office and the portrayer of Cousin Moe's in last week's episode, has a new movie coming out on November 4th called Totally Awesome, which does for 80s movies what the Scary Movie franchise does for horror films. The film is directed by The Chappelle Show co-creator Neil Brennan and is co-written by Brennan and Mike Schur. Uh, the film will air on November 4th on VH1 and will be released on DVD on November 7th. Let's go to our blog roundup. Uh, Kate Flannery's TV Guide blog this week. She has a little trivia quiz, uh, like 10 trivia questions related to The Office. Um, some of them are kind of interesting, but most of them actually end up being her as the answer. So <laughs> not that interesting. She said that she didn't want to go. Funny. She said she didn't want to go bother other people for questions. So most of them end up being about herself. And uh, one of the ones I thought were interesting on here was that she says, which cast member was waiting tables during the first season of The Office? And she says that, yes, it was her, uh, that she worked in Beverly Hills at a restaurant on Wilshire Boulevard during the filming. She says she knew it was time to quit when a customer stopped me and said, Miss, aren't you lactose intolerant? And I said, yes, thank you for not mentioning my hysterectomy. So there you go. I guess it uh, doesn't maybe pay that great to be a minor character on a show. Hopefully she got a raise last season and this season. On Jenna Fisher's MySpace blog, not too much this week. She didn't really have much to say. Um, she just said that on a random note, her new favorite TV show is 30 Rock. As we said before, coming to Thursday, she said, man, that show is funny. It definitely is the funniest new show on television. Alec Baldwin kills me, and I just love Tina Fey. So... There you go. If you haven't watched it, give it a shot. It has the Jenna Fisher seal of approval. On Angela Kinsey's blog this week, uh, not much else either. She talked about the fact that she and Brian Baumgartner are getting paired in a lot of events. And apparently someone asked if they were married or dating or something. And her answer is an emphatic no. She says that we have the same publicist, so you may see us paired up a lot. And we're also good friends, but we are both happily married now as far as angela's new other favorite tv show she says her newest guilty pleasure is friday night lights of course she says i feel like i lived it being from a small town in texas well uh, i hope that uh, she lasts i wonder if they're getting paid <laughs> you think they're getting paid to <laughs> yeah, really these shows on their blog <laughs> jenna fisher mentions 30 rock and then angela mentions uh yeah, you'll know when somebody says their guiltiest pleasure is 20 good years. Or... <laughs> yeah, I think that was on Toby Flenderson's blog page. In any event, um, not a whole lot of cast appearances this week. We have uh, Jenna Fisher is scheduled to be on the Letterman show on November 10th. So as we said, next week's episode is, of course, Diwali. And uh, the description says it's Diwali, Hindu Festival of Lights. Michael encourages the entire Scranton branch to support Kelly and attend a local celebration of Diwali. Meanwhile, Ryan faces Kelly's family at the event, and Andy convinces Jim to turn a late night of work into a drinking game, and Jim supposedly drunk dials someone. So that will air this Thursday, November 2nd. And then in two weeks, as I said again, we have branch closing on November 9th. And the description says, when Jan tells Michael that the Scranton branch will be shutting down, Michael strives to keep the staff's spirits up. And then in three weeks, we have on the 16th, our supersized 40-minute episode. And then we're going to be off for a while, at least one week for Thanksgiving. And I'm not sure if we have another episode after that, if there's another break. But uh, we're getting into the rerun season, folks. So uh, we'll keep you updated. <laughs> There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. Alright, well, uh, emails this week, a couple different ones. We have uh, Hung Rights. Great show. I love it. Question. Do you think Michael actually had sex with Carol, as said in the initiation? Or do you think he was just saying that because Michael likes to not tell the truth a lot? I'll always see him as a 40-year-old virgin type of person. What about you guys? I don't know. I, I guess that it's possible. I mean, Michael might lie, but he usually sort of gets around to telling the truth. I mean... Uh, so I don't know. I'm guessing that it's it's quite probable. I don't want to speculate. Yeah, he almost doesn't seem clever enough to have just said it to hurt Jan. 
<laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, again, he it, it would have probably come out in some way. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, my, he definitely did older, is what we're saying. So is is Michael a 40-year-old version type of guy? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't get those two characters mixed up, even though they are Steve Carell. They're both quite different, I think, because Michael Scott, I, I he seemed like back in the day, you know, he had... Uh, he was probably getting himself around. He seemed like a party guy. Uh, he had, you know, he had that mullet at least, right? So he's all business oh, in the front and party in the back. <laughs> anyway, let's go on to the next one. You want to go ahead with that? Uh, Garrett says, hey, great podcast. I love the audio sound bites and thoughtful commentaries. Just had a theory about Dwight's ability to earn the Salesman of the Year Award, which is something you and I were wondering last week. He says, after listening to the fifth episode of your podcast, you guys were voicing your disbelief that Dwight could actually earn the Top Salesman Award at Dunder Mifflin. Then it occurred to me, remember in the second season episode where Jim was awaiting a phone call that would close a sale, which annually accounted for most of his yearly sales commission? At the end of the episode, we found out that Dwight steals that client from Jim. So maybe this discrepancy is what pushed Dwight up the sales ranking this year. Uh, well, that could be possible, except I hate to bust you, Garrett, but that was actually from the first season. I I know that just because I recorded that Googie Googie clip today, because that was actually from the uh, Diversity Day episode, um, in, in that one where, uh, yeah, Jim has this one client that he keeps trying to do that he says counts for a quarter of his yearly sales, and, and Dwight does end up stealing it, but... Uh, you know, again, Garrett, uh, that theory sounded great to me. <laughs> I guess it's possible. We don't really know the calendar time frame for these shows. So, you know, it could have been, could have been. Okay, this is from uh, Nomi on the blog page, and uh, and this is just to stroke our egos, I guess. Nomi says, it's so nice, cute, and thrilling to hear two guys all emotional about Jim and Pam. Please, anytime you feel yourselves welling up with tears, don't hold back. For real, though, great work, both of you guys. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, we actually were, you didn't hear the uh, I clip last week <laughs> was not emotional. <laughs> uh, well I was, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it and, and know me if you want to give me a call later, we can anyway, no, <laughs> just kidding. Next Kelly writes, thinking the end of Jim and Pam's conversation was unrealistic. Must've been a guy thing. My dad had the same opinion that you guys had, that it's not realistic, and that she should have just said, no, I was just talking to Ryan. But I thought it was real, at least from my point of view. Talking on the phone and then having another conversation and getting them mixed up, that just seemed true and real. Okay, well, I, I can't argue with her own personal experience, I guess. I, I still go with the fact that it seemed really, really kind of forced, but, you know, like we said, they have to take it slow, and uh, they can't just instantly get back and have this great relationship so that was just something in there to sort of break things up i don't know do you still stand by your uh your opinion or do you buy into kelly's story there sure why not chris c on the blog page says i managed to catch love line uh and we had brian Baumgartner and angela kinsey on that last week and he says i have to say that it was very interesting throughout the show brian angela dr drew and striker received many calls that regarded sexuality and the office. At one point, they received a call about fisting, and Angela made a funny remark about the size of Kevin's fist. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't listen to that show, to tell you the truth. He says, all in all, it was a good show, but it was weird hearing seeing cast members from the office talking about diaper fetishes. Yeah, I agree. And that's something that I've noticed lately, which is kind of strange, is that once you start looking at these other like blogs and other articles that they do, it is a little shocking, especially uh, Jenna Fisher, you know, Goody goody little you know Pam has written some rather randy articles for uh, for magazines these last few months. So Amelia writes in, "Hey Matt and Ian, I quite enjoyed this week's episode, especially the Jim Pam conversation at the end. I was smiling and all warm inside. They just seemed really happy to be talking to each other, and their usual banter was endearing. It did flow really naturally and was truly authentic." I've missed some of the show's authenticity, and that's what the relationship between Jim and Pam give us. You're right that the build-up and lack of connection over many episodes made it all the more powerful. The end of their phone call was lame, Kelly, but it <laughs> satisfied that part of me that was longing for their connection. Yeah, so again, I, you know, like you said, I guess it's a different female point of view that agrees that the conversation was lame at the end, so who knows? I guess it's up to your, 
personal opinion. But, um, yeah, um, Amelia, again, one of my good friends, a friend of the show. So thanks for your comment on the blog page. And I got to say, I agree with most of what you said. Whoa, video iPod. I gave Ryan an iPod. I know this Russian website where you can download songs for two cents a piece. I'll take the iPod. iPod. Everyone wants the iPod. This is awesome. I know. Totally going to change the way I work out. The iPod. Maybe I should have taken the iPod. I want the iPod. Oh, shoot. Well, we haven't done this in a while, but being a... I missed that montage. (laughs) It's a great montage. I don't want to kill this segment. But, uh, you know, being a slow week, I took the time to catch up on some some other podcasts. And one of the ones I, I listened to this past week was The Sound of Young America. And I don't know if you're familiar with that show or not, but they had uh, an episode on 1013 that was called Best Friends, which uh, featured an interview with John Hodgman and Jonathan Coulter. Uh, maybe you've heard of these guys. I don't know. Hodgman is best known for uh, being a correspondent on The Daily Show and also probably best known as the PC guy in those annoying Mac ads. I love those ads. Uh, his friend, Jonathan Coulter, quit his corporate job to become a songwriter. Uh, he's been on a lot of podcasts and all over the internet, but uh, I heard this song and I thought that Jim would definitely approve. So check him out at uh, www.jonathancolton.com and uh, I'll post a link on the blog. Uh, this is Code Monkey. Code Monkey, get up, get coffee. Code Monkey, go to job. Code Monkey, have boring meeting. Boring manager Rob. Rob say Code Monkey very diligent, but his output stinks. His code not functional or elegant. What do Code Monkey think? Code Monkey think maybe manager wanna write goddamn login page himself. Code Monkey not say it out loud. Code Monkey not crazy, just proud. Code Monkey like Speedos. Code Monkey like Dallas Mountain Dew Code Monkey very simple man With big warm fuzzy secret heart Code Monkey like you Code Monkey like you Code Monkey hang around at front desk Till your sweater look nice Offer buy you soda, bring you cup, bring you ice. You say no thank you for the soda, cause soda make you fat. Anyway, you busy with the telephone, no time for chat. Code monkey have long walk back to cubicle. He sit down and hands to work. Code monkey not thinking, so straight. Code monkey not feeling, so straight. Code monkey like Fritos. Code monkey like Tab and Mountain Dew. Code monkey, very simple man. Big, warm, fuzzy, secret heart. Code monkey like you. Jonathan Colton, despite what I said before, uh, Jonathan Colton, C-O-U-L-T-O-N, and that's at JonathanColton.com. Well, that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Uh, Join us around this time next week for episode 6.0, Diwali. 
Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at that's what she said com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. I'm kind of feeling like we're, uh, we're stymied here. I'm not, not seeing a lot of growth from week to week. So if you know someone that's a fan of the show and they don't know about uh, That's What She Said, please let them know. Uh, music for this episode was provided by the Pod Show Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. All right, Ian, well, thanks for joining me here in the office again this week. Thanks for having me on, man. It's always fun. Yeah, definitely true. And I'll see you guys next week for Episode 6. Hey, my cookie cookie. Hey, my cookie cookie.